Hi Teamsters, I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison, and this is Podcast Without an Audience. We're two friends, pick two topics, and talk about Christmas things. It's the holidays, you guys! Happy holidays! Happy holidays! Happy holidays! Oh my goodness gracious. So this sucker is coming out on the 23rd! December 23rd, 2021. Eve, Eve. Christmas Eve, Eve. Christmas Eve, Eve. Christmas Eve, Junior. So I've also heard it called Christmas Adam because Adam came before Eve. Oh, and I hate that. <laughs> some of the most Christian shit you've ever heard. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I'm going to hard pass that one. Uh, have I mentioned recently that I grew up in a super small conservative religious yes, southern town? you might have mentioned it. Yeah. You might have mentioned it. So. so one thing I have on my agenda this year, because I feel like I need to contribute to Christmas and my sister's like the baker Aww. of the family, and so uh-huh. she like whips up these nice ass pies, and then I just like sit on the couch and bring the charisma. And, um, <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I was like, I have got to step up my game for sure. So I started baking Linzer cookies at Christmas. Aww, and I will say they are delicious. I Super love good. that for you. So I do like a raspberry and a strawberry Linzer cookie. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. I bought baking sheets about six months ago and have not used them yet. <laughs> so no, that's where I the am. Season. <laughs> I did buy mold wine and spices to go in my mold wine. So those that's where my priorities are at. What is mold what does mold mean? It is like a warm wine with spices and things in it and sugar. Yeah, I guess and I just don't know what mold it's like is. cider. Mm-hmm. If cider were wine. <laughs> Except in Europe, when I was there in 2019, they also spiked it with rum. I tried oh doing God. that at home, uh-huh. at specifically my brother's house. We made mulled wine with spices and rum. Wow. Did it was you just a bad idea. Blackout drunk. I absolutely did. Yikes. We'll not be doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different when you're like walking around. Was that on New Year's Eve? I'm sorry? Did you make that on New Year's Eve? I, I feel don't like remember. I heard probably a story, maybe. I'm sure. Um, Jacob and I spend a lot of time together around the holidays, mm-hmm. and we both end up asleep on the couch at some point yeah. throughout the holidays. Yeah. Every single time. The older we get, the more like we become. What Christmas traditions do you does your family have? Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> um, our Christmas traditions have changed a lot in the past few years. So Currently, my brother and I spend Christmas Eve with our dad, Mm -hmm. and it typically consists of poker, pecan pie, and a pajama party. I love that. Uh, Last year, there was actually Monopoly, Um, though this year, I will not be playing Monopoly, because both in real life and in Monopoly, I am horrible. (laughs) With money? (laughs) With money. Monopoly is like the longest game. Well, it's not when you're playing against two very strategic players. Okay. And, like, I play games... uh, I'm very strategic with poker, less strategic with Monopoly. Yeah. I Um, give up halfway through. I'm like, this is exhausting. Yeah, I just want to start buying shit. Yeah. Which is really my problem in life as well. Lincoln Park. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we go and spend Christmas Day with my mom. 
So uh, they're well fed. Yeah, we're very well fed. Though my mom did start doing oysters for Christmas, and I'm not entirely sure why, but I'm going to have to veto that this year. Really? Yeah. Because I end up like opening all the oysters, but not actually eating them. Mm -hmm. That's a waste. Yeah. I also (laughs) have stabbed myself many times with that oyster knife. Do you do the tiny fork? No, the oyster knife, because you got to like get in that little ridge and then crank it open. And it is labor intensive. It is for very little return on investment. Lobster and crab are both the same way. Agreed. You got to dig all up in there. Um, And then you don't really get a ton. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of return on investment. Crustaceans. Um, Ray's family does shrimp and grits on Christmas Eve every year. Oh, that's super cute. That is a family tradition. I really love that. And what we started doing is we we did we do a, an ornament every year in the stocking. So we're slowly adding ornaments to our tree. Oh, how sweet. So we have ones from the past. Yeah, this will be year four. Wow. What is it? Is that right? I'm sorry. Who are you? How long have we been friends? 100. 87 years. (laughs) It's just hard to imagine. Like, I've known you for 11 years now. And a third of that is you dating Ray. Wow. That's that's weird. Isn't that weird? But so cool. Is it year four? Time is weird. So 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. 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 Time. And the past two years, you know, I haven't really left the house. So those, that's why it's throwing me off is yeah. because the world has just been so upside down. Um, speaking of which, so some of the, um, I will say, some of the ornaments are better than others. Sure. And I did get a, uh, <laughs> I think last year he gave me an ornament that was like a 2020 ornament. So it had... All. Was it a literal dumpster fire with a roll of toilet paper right next to it? <laughs> no, but I think there's a roll of toilet paper on there somewhere. I, I feel was like, like, gee, thank you for reminding me of my trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I put this on the tree, I'm going to be reminded of the year that we all almost that it died. sucked. <laughs> for real. But I literally got all my ornaments from the dollar store, which is a really great idea because they all look the same. Like, why are you paying full price for ornaments? Yeah. When they all look exactly the same. Five share. Also, I'm super excited this year. Um, So this is my second year in my apartment. This is the longest I have ever lived in the same place. Wow. Since I moved out of my parents' house. That's exciting. It is exciting. So this year, after the holiday season, I'm going to go buy all the Christmas clearance stuff. So next year, I can like decorate my apartment. I love it. And like have all the, you know, good stuff. Um, you've got a staircase. You can wrap your your stairs in the garland. I could, and my next door neighbor just gave me some rainbow Christmas lights because, and I quote, they're gay AF. Uh huh. Uh, so I need to have like rainbow Christmas lights all over the place. I love it. I also have my Yule log out that I made last year, and it has withstood the test of time quite well. I don't know what that is. So a Yule log is kind of a is that the Yuletide Carol. So Christmas is actually a pagan tradition. Right. It has very little to do with Christianity. In fact, We're going to get to it. I'm so glad because the way that it was commandeered is shitty. Yeah. Um, but the Yule Log is a pagan tradition of having an actual like log that you burn 
overnight or like throughout the day. I drilled three holes in mine and have candles that go in it and then I decorate around it. So instead of having a Christmas tree, I just have like this log that has my candles in it and greenery around it. Hmm. And cute. that's my Yule log. Your Yule Tide care or is it care? Carol? Caroling. Carol Yule Tide Carols. Caroling. Yule Tide Carols. Yule Tide Carols. Yep. Um, I also do a tarot card reading about this time of year and like make myself cider wine or something and mold wine, mold wine and have my own like little Christmas tradition. I love that. Thank you. The, the, uh, church, church that I've been going to, which sounds very strange. Um, cause I haven't consistently gone to a church in quite some time, but mm-hmm. the church that I've been going to is having a winter solstice festival on friday awesome so i'm super excited about that too and hoping to incorporate that into my new traditions i love it yeah i love this time of year and so having so being a capricorn (laughs) (laughs) and having let's let's go back to the beginning you were born i was born it was the best day of everyone's lives you became a capricorn i became a cappy Sure. So being a cappy, you have this like love-hate relationship with the holidays because your birthday is so close to sure. Christmas. So I I am not jaded. I think I have come out very well because my birthday is 10 days after Christmas. Right. So I've got some time, but I do have friends who are like right after Christmas and that does, that sucks. Yeah. You know, for the obvious reasons. For sure. For sure. Um, I think being being born on any holiday other than maybe Halloween is just really difficult. That is a cool one. And I know being a lot of people who are really born cool. on Halloween. I know we've got a friend who was born just af- like the day after Halloween. Um, yeah, we do. Hey, Di. Hey, Di. Uh, so she's like a little boo baby, mm-hmm. which is super cute. Um, I used to say it was a New Year's baby, but I think the fourth is too far away. Yeah, to be a New Year's baby, you really have to be born on the first. Well, fine. So you're like a post-New Year's baby. So Ray's birthday is on January 2nd. And so we have one Ray could be a New Year's baby. Could he be? We'll give that one to him. Okay, fair enough. He can have that. And then we have the day in between, which we call Sandwich Day. Mm. And that's, that's a good day. That's a fun day. I can't imagine dating another Pisces. Like... I feel like two Capricorns could work really well together. Two Pisces, we would just end up like <laughs> talking about our feelings all the time. Yeah. We just avoid it completely. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's funny. Also, Dolly's a cap. Uh, not Dolly. The other one, Obi. Obi mm-hmm. is a cappy. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is because he came home on my birthday. He did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Time. So he's a Capricorn that came home on a Pisces as a Pisces. Rode home on a Pisces. Rode home on a fish. Dolly is being so needy. Hi, sweet girl. Moby was being really needy when I left really? this afternoon. He's like, what the fuck, Mom? Why are you going into the office? I know. So selfish. I was dog sitting yesterday, and I think that they missed me. And it's really nice to be missed by Moby because I was not convinced that he liked me for a really long time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, you're the one with the food, right? <laughs> and now he's like, oh, you might be mom. Mm-hmm. Like, I might want to hang out with you occasionally. You just might be, hey, stop. With the yep. 
All right, so we are mixing it up this week. We are doing a shrimp basket combo. Speaking of shrimp basket combo, um, I did a flying thing recently mm-hmm. and ended up in this little fucking town in the middle of nowhere, <gasps> Alabama. Oh, and it was in Alabama? It was in Alabama. Uh, the most polite people I've ever met in really? my entire life. Like, they said, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, after literally everything they said. Huh. Um, but there was a little restaurant called restaurant restaurant. You say you said restaurant. I'm sorry. My rocks were <laughs> showing. <laughs> there was a little restaurant, uh, called shrimp basket. I love it. <laughs> we will post it on the Instagram. You have to look for it. Yeah. You have to go back. And I appreciated that photo because I knew how hard it was to get. Well, so I couldn't get the photo. So I handed it my phone to my neighbor who went with us on this trip mm-hmm. shout out to morgan mm-hmm. who's like Shmorgan. incredible Morgan turned around and like in the back of this truck was like taking pictures as quick as she could and only one of them came out I came out it. so thanks morgan yeah Shmor- Shmor. 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 Shmorg. 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 <laughs> yeah so uh i'm sorry shrimp basket reminded me of a shrimp basket combo or the other way around. What's our shrimp basket combo this week? Our shrimp basket combo this week is that December is the time of change, says me right now. So we are going to be mixing it up. I'm going to be doing a history topic and you are going to be doing a cult topic. A cult topic. Kind of. It's not actually a cult topic when we're going to talk about why. Whatever. It's our fucking podcast, whatever. But I feel like we did this with Halloween and we didn't quite get on the same page. Uh You were like, this is going to be a Halloween episode. And I was like, cool, you didn't prepare me. (laughs) No, that was my bad. At all. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to show up in a Halloween sweater. And you were like, cool, you didn't prepare me at all. So this time we are on the same page. Yep, yep. We're doing a cult Christmas combo combo and it feels so good yep so we're mixing it up even more i will be going first prepare yourselves we love this i just i love a change today we are going to be talking about the history of santa claus santa claus Père noel i am so excited to be talking about santa and i definitely learned a lot and like we're definitely going to go on kind of a roller coaster Okay. That somehow ends up linking up with the most successful soft drink company in the world. Coca-Cola. Cool. I remember all of those commercials. Yeah. Also, I have two things about Santa Claus. and Are they going to ruin my notes? Sometimes your facts? Okay. I know. I know. I'll give it. Okay. Okay. What's so your facts? Number one, um, do we have an opportunity to talk about multicultural Santa? Because Whoopi Goldberg as black Santa, <laughs> yeah. black female Santa is my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Whoopi is just magic. Yeah. The magic uh, of Christmas. Whoopi was in a movie called Call Me Claus. That's one of my very favorite Christmas movies. Um, go check it out. Mm-hmm. My second one is, have we talked about how scary Santa Claus is and the fact that I'm terrified of him? We talked about that last episode. I'm so glad. Great. We talked about, not last, was it last? It's hard to say, but we have talked about it. Okay, awesome. So glad we've covered it. Continue. Okay. So, St. Nicholas was an actual person. He was a 4th century Christian bishop in the Roman Empire. 
Oh. He was known for being a very generous man who was often seen giving gifts to the poor. His most famous bit of generosity, and perhaps what he's best known for, get this. So there were three daughters who lived in poverty. And if they were not married, their destiny was to be forced into sex work. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Are we with me? <laughs> okay. That escalated very quickly. So what was necessary for marriage was a dowry. Sure. So St. Nicholas paid all three dowries for all of these young girls so that they didn't have to become sex workers. Huh. That's a hell of a thing to be known for. Yeah, isn't that very... And uh, here I was thinking he was just delivering joy to all the children on Christmas Day. No, no, no. But instead... He's saving lives. Keeping people from sex work. Yep. Unless you want to engage in sex work, in which case you do you, boo. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. Who are we to judge? Absolutely. But not being forced. But not being forced. Yeah. Absolutely. Key. So he was a very religious person and devoted his entire life to the church. Like many famous figures, he would become infamous after his death. There are stories of people taking half of his skull as souvenirs to bring with them, just like to take. Cool. And his body is now in pieces in different places. His vandalized sarcophagus can be seen in the St. Nicholas Church. Uh, Okay. So St. Nicholas was later claimed as patron, as patron saint of many groups, such as archers, sailors, and children of pawnbrokers. Don't know what that is. Huh. <laughs> Didn't look it up. <laughs> He's do a whole history segment on patron saints because I think they're fascinating. They are f- super fascinating. Um, absolutely. He is also the saint, the patron saint of Amsterdam and Moscow. Huh. Little oh, shrimp basket combo you. of its yeah. own. So December 6th was named for St. Nicholas. And on the eve of that day in the Middle Ages, children were given gifts in his honor. There was also a big feast and general merriment. During this time, St. Nicholas was pictured riding a donkey and wearing a tall pointy bishop's hat similarly to how kids like leave out milk and cookies in modern times children would leave out straw for the donkey when i was growing up we used to leave out oatmeal with glitter in it for for the the reindeer reindeer. Mm -hmm. i love that that's cute so similar idea so in the morning the straw would be gone um and the presents would be in, in its place so the date moved, that Jan- uh, December 6th date moved over time, as it always does. And we see generally a, a shift in Christianity, specifically moving away from the saint celebration and moving back towards the Trinity. Martin Luther was a German priest in the 15th century. Hey, Martin Luther. Hey. hey. You and your 95 theses. <laughs> what he, you doing? What you doing, boo? So he saw all of this focus on St. Nicholas and decided that that was enough of that. And he thought to shift the focus from St. Nicholas back to Jesus, or to Jesus Christ, rather. Martin Luther is the first to suggest, quote, Christ-skinned as a bringer of gifts. This was a figure that would bring children gifts. 
So he's like rebranding. Sure. Here. So the lines are like kind of getting blurred, but St. Nicholas remained the most popular. Um, and that's where Santa was born. We now transition into the 16th century to Father Christmas. Ah. This is where we first see pictures or, or personifications of him being like a large man in the color green and also sometimes scarlet, which is an interesting, I guess it's maybe, I mean, it's not quite red, but also. Same family. Yeah, same kind of color family. He was also featured wearing robes lined with fur. Boots with the fur? Boots with the fur. We also see this figure keeping in the same vibe, bringing love, peace, joy, and wine. For sure. For the parents. So at this time, England no longer observed St. Nicholas Day on December 6th. And Father Christmas celebration was officially moved to December 25th. So again, all of these things are bleeding together. Santa, Father Christmas, December 6th, December 25th. What about Nicholas? Yeah. But what about celebrating both? (gasps) Great question. In the Netherlands and Belgium, 36% celebrate on December 6th and 21% celebrate on December 25th. 26% 26% celebrate both. I love that. Yeah. Isn't that, uh, isn't there something about like St. Lucia's Day, which is in Scandinavia on like December 6th or 7th? I don't know. Did that not show up in? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, I remember this from the American Girl Dolls. Kristen, or Kirsten <laughs> was from Sweden. And I think on December 5th or 6th, they celebrated St. Lucia's Day. And they left shoes outside their door that were filled with candy. Yep, that's a thing. Yeah, so that's literally all I remember. The end. Was it it, um, in January, by any chance? I think it was December. There is a celebration. There's Three Kings Day, which some I've heard of Three Kings Day. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, supposed to be when the three wise men arrive mm-hmm. after Jesus' birth. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. So, their celebrations, it There's literally is a season. going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the next part of my notes, we're going to be talking about modern Santa. And this comes from a really fantastic and comprehensive article called The Definitive History of Santa Claus. What a great name. I know. I love when things are aptly named. So all of this is from this article. So, quote, Like most myths, the story of St. Nicholas evolved and came and became embellished over the years. And given their fondness for him, it's hardly surprising to learn that in 1664, the legend of St. Nicholas traveled across the Atlantic to Dutch colony of New Amsterdam, or as it's known today, New York City. In the 200 years that followed, and as a means of preserving their culture and traditions in the face of British settlement, a group of Dutch intellectuals gathered together and called themselves the Kinderbockers. Mm. A prominent member of the group was a writer named Washington Irving, who published (gasps) a book called The Knickerbockers History of New York. 
containing a satirical version of the Dutch tradition and stories. Throughout the book, there were several dozen refer references to Sinterklaas, an, adapt an adaptation of St. Nicholas, accompanied by details of him flying across the sky in a wagon and dropping presents down chimneys for good little girls and boys. I love that Washington Irving is just like making his way through all the holidays because uh -huh. he also did Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is most commonly told around Halloween. Halloween. So he's like, Halloween, Christmas, where am I? <laughs> <Right>. Everywhere. <laughs> he's like, what will sell? <laughs> he's a writer. We get it. Yeah. Washington's wild, endearing description of the saint very quickly became known to New Yorkers. The English settlers enthusiastically adapted the joyful Dutch celebrations of St. Nicholas Day and gradually began to combine them with their own traditions of celebrating Christmas and the New Year. When it comes to pronunciation, it's easy to see how Sinterklaas Klaus, could translate to Santa Claus when you apply the accent of an English-speaking New Yorker. Five, sure. Clement Clark Moore was a friend of Washington Irving and another important contributor to the picture of Santa Claus we have today. So in the book, The Story of Santa Claus, wrote in 1822, Moore sat down to write his children a Christmas poem, having been inspired by Irving's tale. Clement's poem, originally titled A Visit from St. Nicholas, soon became known as the classic The Night Before Christmas, and was so popular that within a decade it had become a canon which, with regards to the Santa legend. When writing the poem, the author of the story of Santa Claus, her name is Teresa, Teresa said Clement made a few alterations to the Sinterklaas legend to make the story more relatable to people from a British slash Anglo background. And it's interesting to note how its alterations still manifest in the Santa's mythology of today. The clogs the Dutch children left by the chimney door on December 6th became something all children could relate to in cold weather. Stockings and the wagon became a miniature sleigh pulled by eight tiny reindeer. Aww. Teresa wrote in her book. Cute. The horse-drawn sleigh with its bells was a common means of transport for the English, and substituting horses with reindeer added an element of mystery to St. Nick, as though he was from an ice-capped northern land where few people had traveled and some were secluded from the world. It's believed that Clement never intended for anyone other than his family to hear a visit from St. Nicholas. He allegedly even refused to admit he was the author. Despite his objections, the poem would the poem wound up printed anonymously in the New York Centennial on December 23rd, 1823. God, that's old. Some say it was thanks to Clement's wife Catherine Taylor who liked the story so much that she sent copies to her friends. The mythology connecting Santa with the Christmas period had been well and truly established by this stage. But there are still more discrepancies around what exactly Santa looked like. In the mid-1800s, it was popular to draw Santa Claus either in his bishop's robe or, in, or as a man with a pointed hat, like we had said earlier, long coat and straight beard. It wasn't uncommon to see Santa 
drawn as quite tall and gaunt. Which makes sense, because he was a saint. For sure. This change in 1863, when Harper's Weekly hired a 21-year-old named Thomas Nast to, to draw a picture of Santa Claus bringing gifts to troops fighting in the American Civil War. The Santa that Thomas drew combined Clement's description of St. Nicholas from the night before Christmas with the all-too-familiar propaganda image of Uncle Sam. Nat Santa was a jolly, roly-poly old man who wore a star-spangled jacket, striped pants, and a cap. Why do I hate that so much? (laughs) I don't know. That's another episode. (laughs) The drawing boosted the spirits of soldiers and civilians alike because it showed that the spirit of Christmas had come to the Civil War, wrote historian James Robertson. It was so popular that every year for 40 years when the magazine asked Nast to draw Santa, he stuck with the same concept, although he did eventually drop the stars and stripes in favor of plain of a plain wool suit. Although his woolen suit was sometimes green, Nast popularized St. Nick's famous red clothes more than four decades prior to the Coca-Cola Company's depiction of Santa, contrary to the rumor that Coca-Cola made Santa red. Ooh. If the American Santa Claus took shape by repetition, then it's fair to say that Coca-Cola led the charge through much of the 20th century, although it was unfair to say. Although it would be unfair to say. The company's relationship with Santa began in the 1920s when Coca-Cola first became advertising, first began advertising in American magazines like the Saturday Evening Post during the festive season. The ad used images of a man dressed as Santa, not dissimilar to appearances in the Santa Claus and Thomas Nast's depiction during the mid-1800s. This Santa was usually depicted outside the world's largest soda fountain or, or visiting high-profile department stores, and things stayed up that way until the 1930s. Christmas advertising had become a powerful part of Coca-Cola's business operations. In 1931, the company commissioned the service of DeArchie Advertising Agency and Michigan-born artist Haddison Sunblom. to create a campaign featuring a more wholesome and approachable Santa Claus, something that captured the true essence of Santa himself and wasn't just a man dressed up in a costume. Sure. For his inspiration, Haddon turned to Clemens the night before Christmas and this description of Santa as a jolly old elf dressed in red furs who goes down the chimney to give children their gifts was instrumental in laying the foundation for the uh the coca-cola image of modern santa claus the poem describes santa as a dwarfish old jolly old elf dressed in red furs who gives children their gifts clement's account was so vivid and compelling that it became the standard in the early days madden called upon his friend retired salesman lou Prentice to act as a live model on which he based his image when lou passed away Sunblom used himself as a model and painted while looking in the mirror. 
From 1931 to 1964, Coca-Cola advertising showed Santa delivering toys and playing with them, pausing to read a letter and enjoying a Coke, visiting with the children who stayed up to greet him and raiding the refrigerator at a number of homes. Hadn't Santa appeared regularly in the Saturday Evening Post, as well as in Ladies Home Journal, National Geographic, and The New Yorker, and more. People paid such close attention to Coca-Cola Santa, to the Coca-Cola Santa images, that when anything changed, they sent letters to to the Coca-Cola company. One year, Santa's large belly was backwards. Oh, sorry. One year, Santa's large belt was backwards perhaps because Haddon was painting via a mirror, which is fascinating. Uh Uh-huh. Another year, Santa Claus appeared without a wedding ring, causing fans Uh to write, asking what happened to Mrs. Claus. Haddon created his first version of Santa Claus in 1964, but for several decades to follow, Coca-Cola advertising featured images of Santa based on Haddon's original works. It all goes back to the children's book. I love that. Do you have any, like, do you have memories of being read that book? Do you have a copy you can see in your mind? I do. Well, I have a copy I can see in my apartment. <gasps> um. So when my dad, I collect snow babies, which I started collecting what when the I was like is a snow baby? four or five years old. They're these little, like, children who appear to be covered in snow. Oh, the little white, the yeah. white, little white babies? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <sighs> but I started collecting them when I was a kid, and my aunts and uncles and everybody would give me snow babies every year for Christmas. So I had several dozen of them at this wow. point. Wow. I um, did not know that. Well, I don't typically talk about it because they're usually at my dad's house, but last year... He gave them to me to keep at my apartment mm-hmm. with a copy of The Night Before Christmas. So I have my Snow Babies, my Snow Babies book, and The Night Before Christmas. And I just feel very set and ready for the holidays. Oh, Snow Babies. But your story also reminded me of Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. And like thinking about how Santa and the Macy's like Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's a great point. Was so instrumental to how people perceive Santa. Yeah. Um, and not even like the newest uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street with like Mara Wilson and oh, I literally girls. forget. Yeah. Anyone else who played in that movie, but the old version, the black and white version, mm-hmm. like just how much that impacted people's perception of Santa, because that would have been one of the first like on screen Santas. Yeah. So I think that that's really interesting. What I think is unique about like Santa and the holidays in general is it's like so dependent upon where you are. Oh, for sure. You know, like when like what what's the protocol for santa like on christmas morning what's the etiquette for opening presents all of that is so yeah it's so interesting because you don't realize as a kid how different each family is yeah and then you grow up and you start talking to your friends and you're like oh what was your christmas like Mm -hmm. and you realize all of a sudden that like I have friends who Santa never wrapped their presents. Like the presents from Santa were not wrapped and the presents from family were wrapped. And that's how you told the difference. Right. And in my house, like growing up, most of the presents were from Santa and they were all wrapped Mm -hmm. because my parents really enjoyed 
like the watching us unwrap yeah process and then you had to have different wrapping paper which i know now is a thing you have to santa has to have different wrapping paper than than family yeah you can't mix them up absolutely not also change the handwriting yeah so my mom for literally one christmas was like i don't feel like doing the santa thing anymore so i'm going to put all the presents out early but i'm going to assign each of you a reindeer name so like you sort of don't know who is who except she made it very obvious (laughs) it's like i was dancer Oh, yeah. Obviously. Uh-huh. Um, my brother's girlfriend at the time was Vixen. Oh, And I was shit. like, oh, Cindy Ann. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was hilarious. Wow. Yeah. So did you give each other presents? Or or she... Oh, you there were just presents and you weren't quite sure who they were right, for. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. But now as adults, like, we give each other presents and we right. don't have presents from Santa. Yeah. Anymore. Which I'm okay with like i'm 30 years old yes <laughs> it's time <laughs> i do love oh god like i love seeing children mm-hmm. around christmas it is so fucking pure yeah same little notes to santa so cute my sister was convinced that she heard santa Aww. like she you could not tell her anything different she thought that she woke up in the middle of the night and she heard him singing downstairs. That's really adorable. Mm-hmm. And that, her story, I mean, she, that kept me believing for way longer. Well, you know, I did not believe in Santa or the Easter Bunny, but the Tooth Fairy, I was a big fan of for a really long time. Oh, get that cash money? Well, my mom took a picture of the Tooth Fairy. So I had like photographic evidence that the tooth fairy exists who described this photo okay so let me set the scene please my favorite peter pan movie was the uh mary martin the peter play? pan yeah of course we had it on vhs mm-hmm. that explains a lot yes. <laughs> <laughs> i honestly don't think i saw the disney version until i was an adult mm-hmm. so mary martin because of you i never stray too far from the sidewalk right precisely so um (laughs) what's the connection i don't know (laughs) between because mary martin and kelly clarkson no i'm just saying because of you because of her you're a lesbian five share okay cool yes don't make me explain my jokes I had to explain my VA joke (laughs) in the last episode, so. Anyways, um, okay. So, in the Mary Martin Peter Pan, Mm -hmm. Tinkerbell is a little light that just floats, right? Okay. (gasps) So, it was around Christmas time, and I lost a tooth. Uh Uh-huh. And there was a Christmas, like, candle light in the window, because my mom did that every year for Christmas, was put all the candles in the windows. Yep. So, I was like, Mom... Santa's bullshit. The Easter Bunny, not really a fan. But this Tooth Fairy <laughs> chick, I can get Where with it. Where's she at tonight? <laughs> so I fall asleep and have the tooth under the pillow. My mom takes a picture of the window that has the light inside of it. So it looks like this just bright orb. Uh-huh. And prints it out at like CBS or someplace, I assume. 
and gives it to me a few days later. It's like, here's a picture of the Tooth Fairy. Wow. I was like, oh my God, it looks just like Tinkerbell. Tink. So I was convinced I had a picture of a tooth fairy. That is so funny. I just imagined her like shining a fucking flashlight on the <laughs> wall and being like, oh, there it is. Nah, nah. She leveled up. It was a picture of the candle in the Brilliant. window. Yeah. Brilliant. Five sure. Wow. So You had proof. I love it. So I believed in the tooth fairy for way longer than any of my peers because I was like, I've got right. a picture. And also the tooth fairy would like exchange my tooth for money Mm-hmm. At the randomest times, like when I thought that neither of my parents could have done it. So the key is like to test it, you could have not told them. Well, I could have, but I like to tell people things. I understand. And I'm also a really light sleeper. So they would have to do it like while I was awake, but not in bed. Fascinating. Yeah, so, like, I very vividly remember the last tooth that the Tooth Fairy took, I was sitting in their bed and, like, having a conversation with my mom. And she was like, you should go check your bed and see if the Tooth Fairy's come yet. Mm-hmm. So I went to check, and the Tooth Fairy had fucking come. And I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, she's real, and she came to visit me. Yep. That is so funny. So that's my story with the Tooth Fairy. Wow. There was just, I, I, this is a Tooth Fairy podcast now. <laughs> there was. Forget Santa Claus. We're here for the Tooth Fairy. There was a, in my, um, so first and second were combined, like I'd mentioned before. In either my first or second grade classroom, there was a, like, there was a board for every day or every month of the year. And you got your name on the board if you lost a tooth during that <gasps> month. Ooh. And I would rip my fucking teeth out so I could get my name on that board. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I love that for you. Like, TikTok, it's the 31st. We got to go. We got to get our name up there for November. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> what a joy I was. You certainly were. We would have definitely been friends. <laughs> but anyway, that is the uh, history of Santa Claus. Thank you so much for sharing oh, that. I love it. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about one of the most controversial new Iconic. movies yep. in our t- of our time. For sure. We'll be right back. And we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back, kids. We're glad you're here. Hope we're you have a hot cocoa. Here. A hot coffee. Mold wine. Coffee sounds great. Doesn't it, though? I love coffee. I love mold wine. <laughs> okay. So, um, I feel the need to explain why we chose this as a cult movie, even though this has really turned into a Christmas episode and not a cult episode. Number one. <laughs> You're pleading your case. <laughs> I'm pleading my case. This is the opposite of a cult movie. Uh-huh. Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie an 82%. R- did it really? I would give it maybe a 30. Oh, my God. Same. For, like, the sole purpose of the chemistry between Kay Stew and Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. Also, Dan Levy. Also, Dan Levy. And Jane. Oh. Okay. Of maybe course. Maybe higher than a 30. 
mm, 35. No <laughs> higher than that. <laughs> Number two. The reason that this is a cult movie, the gays will watch anything with gays in it. That's true. The only thing that this movie has going for it is the gay following. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, Clea Duvall... From our actual cult movie, But I'm a Cheerleader, co-wrote and directed this movie, and we got to support family. What's the name of the movie? Have you said that? Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. (laughs) The name of our movie is The Happiest Season. The Happiest Season, which I always want to call it something else, like The Greatest Christmas or something. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I got this far into it, and you didn't let me say the title. I I didn't know where you were going. I'm sorry. The Happiest Season. The title of my notes is The Happiest Season, and then I dove right in and felt the need to defend myself. You're good. Thank you. Uh, Okay. What sucks here Mm -hmm. is a lot of things. Is all of it. But Clea Duvall, who wrote this film, wrote it as an autobiography. (gasps) Really? I didn't know that. So my question is, which character is she? Mm-hmm. And if it the answer is not Aubrey Plaza's character, then, like, poor fucking baby. Oh, yeah. You poor thing. What have you gone through? So at this point, you know I am a sucker for shitty IMDb synopses. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So here it is. Quote, a holiday romantic comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself, and not wanting to ruin christmas mm-hmm. end quote wow that's an oversimplification isn't it though imdb does the worst job of synopses but i really love it for that reason <laughs> i love it for being terrible <laughs> <laughs> which is also the reason i love cult films and b-rated movies true. is because they're terrible true uh so what we've got here are lesbians mm-hmm. with a gay best friend yes uh complicated family dynamics Themes of perfectionism, connection, communication, trauma, and healing. Mm -hmm. Would you like to give us a more thorough synopsis? Okay. So Kristen Stewart is a sucker in love. Yep. She is dating somebody who is still in the closet to her family. Mm -hmm. And And everyone else, we think. Most everyone else, probably. Most everybody else. I would think in that town they live in, like, they obviously live together. They're obviously, like, out in the in that, but, like, probably was, not to co-workers. I mean, it was filmed in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Yeah. I didn't catch that. So, the, what's the girlfriend, what's the girlfriend's character's name? Harper. Harper. So, Harper reluctantly and in a state of, like, happiness invites, what's Kristen Stewart's character? Abby. Abby. <laughs> Harper and Abby. Got it. So Harper invites, reluctantly, Abby home for Christmas. So -hmm. then while they're on their way, Harper discloses that she is not out. So they are going to have to keep their relationship under wraps. And Abby has to go back in the closet. Correct. And then uh, Harper's dad is running for mayor. And their family just generally feels like they are on display. And chaos ensues. Yep. Excellent job. Thank you. Five stars for you. Thank you so much. Better than IMDb's, (laughs) without a doubt. So we're going to jump around here a little bit because I want to get to the very best part of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about some of the very worst. Sounds great. Yep. And I'm curious to hear what you think the very best part of this movie is. Because I think it is Abby and John's conversation. So Mm -hmm. after 
um, Abby has spent this horrific trip with Harper. Mm -hmm. Harper has ignored her the entire time. Um, Abby is, like, literally sleeping in the basement, has Mm -hmm. been treated like trash by the whole family. Harper ignores that she's there. John, who is Abby's best friend, K-Stu's best friend, Dan Levy, uh, gets a phone call from Abby, and Abby is like, listen, I want to go home. I can't afford to go home. Mm -hmm. What do I do? So John shows up, as any good best friend would. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And is like, I'm here to take you home. I'm here. Like, let's, we're not putting up with this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. So... About this time, Harper gets outed mm-hmm. by her oldest sister, mm-hmm. Sloan, to the rest of the family. Yeah. In front of, like, dozens of people. Mm-hmm. In the shittiest way possible. In a vindictive way. It's not cool. Absolutely. So then Harper is like, I'm not gay. Like, mm-hmm. Harper is, you know, trying very, very hard to stay in the closet at this point. And Abby takes it personally. Uh, Yeah, as she should. Right. I mean, to a very large degree she should yeah so abby and john go outside Mm -hmm. and first john reminds abby that harper not coming out to her parents has nothing to do with abby Mm -hmm. which is really important i think because a lot of the time we assume that other people's behaviors have something to do with us and most of the time they don't like most of the time other people behave the way that they do because of their own needs. Mm-hmm. So good for John. Like that's a really valid point. Abby then shares that her parents were supportive of her when she came to, when she came out. Mm-hmm. John says, this is a long quote, but I feel like I need to read the whole thing because yeah. it's so important. John says, quote, that's amazing. My dad kicked me out of the house and didn't talk to me for 13 years after I told him. Everybody's story is different. There's your version and my version and everything in between. But the one thing that all of those stories have in common is that the moment right before you say those words, when your heart is racing and you don't know what's coming next, that moment is really terrifying. And when you say those words, you can't unsay them. A chapter has ended. A new one has begun. You have to be ready for that. You can't do it for anybody else. Mm-hmm. so much of this speech resonated for me, like so much of this monologue and not just about coming out, but the variety of experiences that so many queer folks have in their family of origin and in their communities, not just in that moment, but also around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really wanted to spend a lot of this time talking about was not just what a shitty movie this is, mm-hmm. which we will also talk about <laughs> because it's a horrible movie. But I will I will be watching it every year forever. Oh, that's definitely my notes as well. <laughs> Is this movie's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. even though it's poorly done. But I think being gay or being queer around the holidays is such an important thing to talk about. And my experiences of being queer within my family context are different still. Like our Christmases and Christmas traditions have trained have changed drastically in the past 10 years, like we were talking about earlier with our traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but only once have I ever really spent Christmas with my family and a partner. Uh, my extended family has had a very mixed response to my coming out. And many of them, I assume will never be okay with me having a partner 
join us for the holidays. My immediate family has tried really hard to be inclusive and inviting to my partners for any gathering. But ultimately, like I and so many queer people navigate each holiday season as it comes because it feels as though it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And that's what stood out to me is that even though we're going to talk about how this is a coming out story. So Hollywood is still like in this coming out stage. A lot of the queer movies that we're seeing are about that baby gay moment Mm -hmm. of coming out. And we get it. We've all been there where coming out becomes a central part of our personality. And as a whole, that's where Hollywood is right now. Like Kristen Stewart and this movie and um, so many other people, Clea Duvall, who are part of this movie, were part of this coming out process. But... Personally, I'm ready for a queer movie where, or a queer Christmas movie where coming out isn't the main theme. Mm-hmm. Um, where we can get the same kind of publicity and attention that this movie got, but it's just two queer folks who fall in love at a Christmas tree lighting, and one comes from the big city and is reminded of the joy in a small. Like I want the yeah, the Hallmark the Hallmark Christmas movie and. To it to be normalized, I think this others it absolutely makes it too basic. I think, yeah, I agree, and I think that that's the most frustrating part about this movie is essentially it's a coming out film. It's a coming into yourself, figuring out how to communicate with your family, and in that sense, it is exactly what baby gays and queer folks need like how do you navigate these difficult conversations and relationships and ideas of perfectionism Mm -hmm. within your family of origin um but also if we are talking about queer holiday films this is not it this is a coming out film Mm -hmm. just happens to be around it just happens to be around christmas because that's what got them home yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, it, it's a general step in the right direction, um, but it's not, they missed the mark for sure. They definitely did. And I think that they were trying to play too many things at once. There was so much going on. This is a stressful movie. It is a stressful movie, but it's stressful because you can tell pretty quickly that Harper and Abby are not good together. Right. Like, there are some really problematic relationship dynamics at play. Yes, absolutely. Like, it was really toxic. Harper continues to ignore Abby throughout the film, forces her into tough situations. She's not likable. Harper is not likable. I mean, she basically gaslights her girlfriend through the entire movie. Yeah. And the fact that they end up together at the end is absolutely absurd. It really is. Now, in real life, I know that people make up or make relationship choices based on any number of factors, but there's no growth on the part of Harper. She came out because she was forced out, mm-hmm. not because like it was her decision. Do you know what I do love, though, is what? that Harper does this monologue after basically she's outed and then she goes back in the closet that she was never really out of. But she does this monologue eventually where she does take the opportunity to express her love for 
Kristen Stewart's character that I cannot seem to remember her. Abby. Abby. For Abby. Um, and Kristen's, fuck. And Abby's like, well, it's a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> and she leaves. That's the best part. That's it my is. best part And right that's there. where it should have ended. Yeah. Like, honestly, K-Stew was definitely... K-Stew. I, I can't think of her as anything else. Also, I think she just got engaged to her longtime partner, and I, I love that for her. That movie uh, she was in recently where she's underwater, it's kind of like a thriller. It's super good. I have not seen it. You should watch it. I'll consider she's it. She's very cute. <laughs> she is always very cute. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the relationship dynamics are really unhealthy, and they're based in trauma without ever addressing the trauma mm-hmm. and you're right when Kristen or abby was like it's too little too late mm-hmm. that should have been the end of it yep like she deserved more than harper was giving her yeah um i also love aubrey plaza's role in this movie and i wish that Kristen stewart and aubrey plaza had ended up together that's where they let us as an audience to believe it was going yeah that's because the formula that we were being fed. Well, and that's also the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like you could see very clearly that Harper and Abby's relationship was over mm-hmm. and should have been over. Like it had yeah. run its course. Maybe it was a good coming out relationship for Harper, but Harper wasn't out. Like mm-hmm. there were, there was too much trauma, too much toxicity mm-hmm. within that relationship for it to be healthy. Yep. So Kristen Stewart should have ended up with Aubrey Plaza. Final answer. Final answer. I think that... Or let me share some of my favorite reviews with you. Oh, okay. And we can talk about them. So I looked in Rotten Tomatoes, and I tried to get a good sample. So I've got four reviews for you, some positive, some negative. Um, But let's discuss them. Let's, Let's. Number one. Quote, watching Happiest Season is like opening the wrong Christmas present on Christmas morning. What? You're a little bummed out, but it's too late to put it back in the box. That's exactly right. I know. That's when you at school and you put you the toothpaste goes out because uh-huh. you've said the words and you can't get it back in. Yep. That's exactly what this movie is like. Yeah, except we're still going to continue to open the same Christmas present for the rest of our lives because it exists. It's almost like a comfort movie for me now. Yeah. It's so bad as a comfort movie. But it's not like B-level film bad. No. The like, production is very good. Cinematically beautiful. But, but it falls flat in every single other way. I know. Why do I still want to watch it? I don't it's know. It's like a train wreck. You can't look away. Yep. Number two. Okay. This was written during 2020, which is important to note. The movie was? The review was. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That makes way more sense. Yep. Quote, it is not safe to travel home for the holidays. So let this family's stress be the understudy for your own family drama, at least this year. That is so true. That family stress. The family drama? like family drama. This covered my family drama for a whole year. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... The third one, I'm also realizing that these are all negative, but definitely I thought some of them were positive when I wrote them down. <laughs> um, the third one is just a sentence fragment. For those of you who are English majors, 
it may bother you. Okay. But I feel like it's important to still say. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Squanders an assortment of personable performances. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what? <laughs> say that again? Squanders an assortment of personable performances. I can't even wrap my mind around <laughs> what that means. So I feel like this movie definitely squanders something. Oh, yeah. Personable performances might be that thing. Like, I don't feel like I actually relate to any of the characters. Yeah. None of them stand out to me as being particularly likable mm-hmm. or... I think Abby's likable. I mean, Abby and Aubrey Plaza's character... Okay, so the characters are likable, mm-hmm. but they're not... They don't feel real. Relatable. Right. Hashtag relatable. Hashtag relatable. They did not get our memo. Well, I thought Aubrey Plaza's character was... That's relatable. Fair. She's a doctor, which she's hilarious. I am also a doctor. For sure. I'm not a doctor. But you know, she you know she see like she is just home for the holidays visiting her parents. She has her own shit going on. And she's like trying to make the best of this holiday. Yeah. She's like literally going to a party at her ex's house that like shamed her in high school. Yeah. Yeah. She's got some trauma of her own. Mm-hmm. So, squanders an assortment of personable performances was the third I one. I want that cross-stitched on a pillow. I can do that for <laughs> you. Number four. Quote, Though Happiest Season isn't quite the gay Christmas classic all the L's, G's, B's, T's, and beyond deserve, it is, regardless, a heartwarming and hilarious step in the right direction. I don't know that I would ever call this movie heartwarming or hilarious, but it is... Beyond what the L's, G's, B's, and T's deserve. Yeah. Or not quite beyond what we deserve. We deserve more. There are some funny moments. And they're all around Dan Levy. And the sister. Jane. Jane. Oh, fun fact. Jane, the actress who played Jane, Uh helped co-write the film. Oh, really? Yeah. Hers is the most unique... uh, She's she's a very unique character. She is, and I love her because she's quirky. she is quirky. She's neurodivergent, pretty obviously. Like, no one in her family respects her. Mm-hmm. But Tipper, the mom, at one point says the only reason Jane is normal is because we gave up on her. Mm-hmm. When she started when biting, she's people. biting people in preschool. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much to be said about that. Like, the reason that... Jane turned out happy and mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. was because her parents didn't have the expectations of her. Right. And I think that that's such a profound statement. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what you what you covered last week about the Truman effect or whatever it was is like if you're constantly being watched like what are those expectations? Oh yeah. That's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that there's also this, like, hint of perfectionism. And, like, if you screw up, like, the oldest daughter, Sloane, I think was a lawyer. Like, she and her Mm -hmm. husband were both lawyers. And then they quit their jobs to sell gift baskets. Mm -hmm. They're not gift baskets. They are, fuck, what they call them? Uh, Highly individualized. Curated. Curated. Vessels. Vessels. That's it. That's it. Um, But... As soon as they did not meet the family's expectations, Mm -hmm. they immediately were, like, downgraded. Yeah. 
And then Harper was just like moved up to the family favorite. Yeah. And I think that that's relatable for middle to upper class people or people whose parents were trying to raise them to be middle to upper class. It's like this sense of you have to meet these expectations or else you're a disappointment to the family. Like shame on you, shame on your cow. More more, or about, about image specifically. For sure. For sure. It did stress me out. Like the relationship between the sisters, like that competitiveness was Mm -hmm. super stressful for me. Yeah. And that piece was unrelatable to me. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, I mean, I've seen it in other people's families. That seems miserable. It does. But you can see how the family orchestrated that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they clearly pitted all three of those girls against each other. They had to compete for affection. Yeah. And in the end, I feel like it comes back to, like, coming out to your family is an opportunity to get to know someone in their truest form. Like, when a person is in the closet and steps out of the closet, they're giving you an opportunity to get to know who they truly are. And other than Jane, these girls all felt as though they had to hide huge aspects of who they are or what they needed in order to be happy Mm -hmm. because they were afraid of disappointing people in their lives. Mm -hmm. God, I mean, being in the closet means that like when somebody asks you what you did that weekend, you can't even be honest with them or like, yeah, how was your day? Like you, you, you're just sharing such a small percentage because it's so surface level. Yeah. There's no opportunity for learning anything about that person. Absolutely. And so many people feel like they have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really relatable for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And super sucks. Yep. Yep. Super shitty. Soup stoops. So such an interesting movie and we have had this list we've had this on our list since day one we have and not because it's actually a cult classic other than the gays will watch everything (laughs) that has a gay person in it but because this movie was really impactful for both of us i think yeah i don't know why it just is because Kristen stewart aubrey plaza and whatever her name is who plays uh harper mm-hmm. are big name actresses mm-hmm. um like this is the first time we have a queer christmas film mm-hmm. that made it to the big screen yeah like that's a big deal yeah and it's available on hulu it's available on hulu <laughs> not netflix if you want to watch it in your own home what is available on netflix is a new york christmas wedding which is queer, but better. Oh, the upgrade? Upgrade version? Now, less money was spent on the production, so keep that in mind. But it's a interracial queer Christmas movie. Love and it. And I just love it. Love it. So will I be watching both of these Christmas movies every year for the rest of my life? Absolutely, I will. Absolutely. I Until love something that. better comes along. Right? <laughs> That's a challenge. Let's hope that's soon. Yeah. <laughs> or in our lifetime. Yeah. I think it will be. Yeah. Like, I think we're getting close. I just need Hollywood to get out of the coming out phase. Yeah. I'm that with you. That seems fair. to be the only thing that Hollywood wants to produce is coming out movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a whole life after you're out. Yeah. Like, there's also a whole life after you fall in love. 
Oh, that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll get there one day. You absolutely will. Once your dating profile is posted on Human Seeking Human, they about to flock, boo. <laughs> <laughs> My right. inbox is waiting. <laughs> um, fuck intersections. Happy Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that is the intersection. Merry yeah. Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas. Yule. Happy Yule Hanukkah. Car- Carl. Kwanzaa. Mm-hmm. What other major holidays are around this time? Uh, St. Nicholas Day. Mm-hmm. All the other ones. Yep. There's a full moon in there somewhere. Oh, for sure. Next Monday, I think. There we go. Yep. This won't be out by then. Nope. That's okay. <laughs> but happy all of the things to all of you. Yes. Spend some time um, with the people that are very near and dear to your heart. Remember that family is not just people you're related to. It is what you make it. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful holiday. We'll see you next week. If you support us, blink twice. If you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcasts Without an Audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Or find us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Shoot us an email at podwithoutanaud at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.